Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 34. Today we're talking about resiliency in your teaching career. We'll also share some highs and lows from our week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And so it's time to talk about our highs and lows from our school week. Uh, We're just coming off of Valentine's Day week. Yeah. And into President's Day weekend, which is so nice to have those three days. Yes. Because Valentine's Valentine's Day Day lasted a week. Yeah, it was a long one. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Yes, please. It's going to be one of those lows that turned into a high. Um, So Valentine's Day morning, it was a Thursday. Yes. So I show up at work early because Thursdays are my choir days. I have choir at 7.30 on Thursdays. And when I showed up, like there was no power and we had students a couple who had showed up before me and they were sitting by the office and they were like well there's no power and then I'm watching my principal come in and I'm watching all these people and um the fun part about that is my room is one of few rooms in our school that has no windows because I'm on an inner perimeter so pitch black I mean absolutely nothing (laughs) in my room can be seen so um I decided very quickly well that's not going to work for choir so I asked the art teacher she has lovely windows in her room can we just use your room Mm -hmm. and thankfully she was already there and she's very kind and let us use her room so I had choir in the art room with no lights um sitting at tables which you know and then there were also bananas because it's valentine's day you know and just getting them to walk to the art room down the super dark hallways once we got to the room there was enough light and we could function it was fine yeah but the hallways are like pitch black you know and then the kids are out they've all got their phones out because they are like well i'm going to use my flashlight on my phone which i was using personally so i understood why and then it was okay now we got to put the phones away so i had choir and in the meantime, I had asked my principal, at what point do we think the lights are going to be on? And the story was they were supposed to be on before our first class came. Well, what happened? Was it oh, it was of... just really high winds the night oh, before. Okay. It was super, super windy. And just a little section of that neighborhood, the power went out. Ugh. Very random. So, um, of course, the lights were not on by the time I was supposed to start my first uh. class, which was sixth grade. So, thank goodness, it was somewhat warm outside. Um, it wasn't sunny, but it was warm enough that with coats we could just go out outside so I grabbed a wood block out of my room I went fishing around in the dark and found a wood block and I went to the sixth grade classroom and said we're going outside and um the game our old Sal became my best friend and so I played that with sixth grade and it was a shortened sixth grade class because Thursday's a late start day it's just a wacky day in general Mm -hmm. so we played that game for about 15 maybe 20 minutes stretched it out and then they had some extra time and I just let them play on the playground and I thought well surely by the time fifth grade comes the lights will be on nope still not on so I did the same thing with fifth grade um and by the time fifth grade was over the lights were on but the reason why I'm saying this is a low note that turned into a high is because it just really made me remember that especially as Kodai inspired teachers we can teach anywhere as long as we have our voices you know and so we were able to do a fun singing game outside like you know it stressed me out a little bit, but honestly, I just was like, well, here we go. We'll just go outside and do yeah. our singing games outside. And every time someone walked by for whatever reason, they were just kind of smiling and laughing like, wow, that was so creative of you to think of that. I'm like, like that's this what is we're what doing. I do all the time. <laughs> I just normally do it inside with the door right. closed and apparently you don't know. But yeah. <laughs> the point being that we had so much fun. The kids were like so happy to be outside and it was probably good to have them oh, yeah. get those wiggles out of Valentine's probably burned Day. Out some energy. And I was a little secretly sad that the lights went back on because I thought well this could just be a fun alternate day an outside day on Valentine's Day but um, I went back inside because it was it wasn't super warm and I personally was starting to get cold yeah yeah. so I decided to finish the rest of the day in the room as planned but Mm -hmm. um, it was an interesting start to the day wow good for you for thinking fast yeah yeah Yeah. all right your turn okay well I think (laughs) I have to go low Um, Valentine's Day man I I think it's worse than Halloween. It uh, can be, yeah. Um, but I really shouldn't say that because uh, this past Halloween, the f- the fire, uh, the smoke alarms went off 
Um, oh, that's perfect. not on purpose, yeah. but you know, I forget what it was. Oh no, it was a fog machine in somebody's classroom. That's what it was. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it wasn't quite that crazy. Yeah. So, but I just was surprised. I don't know why I didn't realize it was going to be such an off day. Yeah. I mean, I had a normal schedule and everything, but, uh, in particular, I really struggled with a second grade class mm -hmm. that we were in stations moving around the room, doing half-note things. Mm -hmm. And I had some excellent stations. And and stations on a holiday is a great idea. Yeah, That's one is, of my go-tos. Um, but for this group, at this particular time, it was just not working. Too much. Well, it's mostly, it's, it's very interesting because I have two second-grade classes. One that they're like, yay, we'll do everything. Yay, let's yeah. do it all. Yay, let's cooperate. Let's create things. Let's, they're just, you know. They're like that. And then I have yeah. another group who's like, I hate everybody in here. <laughs> I'm going to argue with and you about And I'm going to show it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this group, I tried to put them in groups as we're, they're moving around the room um, that they would get along with. But it just did not. And it's interesting because I was actually going to have a choose your own station day. Right. And then I thought better of it. Yeah. Like, they right needed before a they came in, I went, no, no, that's, they can't handle that. Right. Um, but they can't even handle like being in an assigned group and moving from, so, I mean, I'm glad I didn't park myself at a station and I wasn't doing any kind of, of assessment because I was just putting out fires right and left because like so-and-so took the sticks when I was supposed to be playing it. You know, yeah, it was just ridiculous. I uh, could not come up for air with all the fighting and arguing. I almost shut us down and started to do a restorative circle, yeah, and then I didn't because I thought I don't think it's going to make a difference on this day, yeah, it's the wrong time, right? No one's in a good space for that, yeah. So I just kind of let it play out, which I was ugh, it didn't go well. I'm sorry, yeah, and now I'm like, I don't think that they're so, yeah, they we need more. On, on half notes, so I hate to do it, but I might even have this particular second grade class on like a different lesson track than the other one. Yeah, I've had to do that I with certain that. groups before. Yeah. It's more work for you. But it is, it unfortunately, is. Unfortunately, they, they seriously need. need it because besides all the arguing and fighting, also I realized that a few of them just are, don't have a clue. Right. When they're, we're reading rhythms around the circle or they're playing it on a um, tone chime and yeah. Uh, yeah we need more so uh, anyway that was a low that did not turn into a high I'm sorry but um, I will see them again <laughs> and we will see what we can do yes yeah. thinking positively of course So today we are talking about resiliency in a teaching career. So we're not going to be doing a lot of singing. We're not going to be talking about specific practical applications for your music classroom. Right. But we're going to talk about resiliency. And this is something that keeps coming up, um, well, you know, during one's teaching career. Right. But uh, Especially the, this time of year. Especially this time of year. We talked a few months ago, and I think I, I know I posted the little um, graph of the phases of a first-year teacher, which really is not the phases of a, just a first-year teacher, but any teacher, sure. and through the months and, and how morale is yeah. for, for a teacher. And October and February are your months where people get really kind of despairing mm -hmm. and feeling like they're not able to do as well as they should. Right. So um, also mentoring in my district, that's the theme for February in yeah. our communities of practice as we're talking about resiliency because this is a very important thing that you got to you got to have if you're going to last in teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And back when I was in um, college, I remember they had told us in one of my ed classes that the average life lifespan of a teacher's career is like 7 years. Right. But these days it's like 4 or 5 years. Is it really? I mean that that's what the I you know what? I don't have hard Are facts on this. <laughs> no, no, this is for It seems that way though. I antidotal mean, what I hear, I did not look up. I can't yeah. outside a study, but um Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, I mean we're part of lots of different, you know, music teacher groups mm -hmm. on Facebook and things and I mean we'll see posts, you know, from young teachers saying, I'm feeling burnout already. Right. You know, so Tanya and I have a little more years maybe on some of our listeners. Yeah. I'm in year 18. 
And you are in year... 24. That's amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, we're coming at this from this, you know, if you compare it to, I guess, whatever the average might be. Right. We could probably be lumped in that veteran teacher, yeah. quote unquote. That, well, that I don't term know how many me. years it takes to be a veteran teacher. Yeah. But, um, but we've been doing this a while. I think over 20, I can I can say I'm a veteran teacher. Okay, yeah. so I'm almost there. No, I'm, I think over 10, maybe probably <laughs> over like 10 to 12. Well, and it also, I think, depends on your school environment. Because I know having taught in Title I schools my whole career, mm-hmm. I mean, you get to year five or six, and you're one of the veteran teachers of the school. Totally. I mean, because yes. that burnout and that, you Yeah, know, your environment would yeah. really, yeah. Well, and there's just a lot more moving around, you know. And that's, I mean, that's saying that that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you feel like you need to move to a different school or a different position to get a new perspective. Yeah. That totally makes sense. But yeah. Yeah. So we're but, coming at this with, we have maybe a little bit of experience of what it actually feels like, the right. resiliency. However, <laughs> I mean, I will say that I, I'm, and we'll talk a lot about technology because it's one of our little, uh-huh. uh, you know, titles under, under this. But I think that I'm very fortunate that I came into my teaching career at a time where technology was almost non-existent. Right. I mean, definitely existed, but when I started teaching, my first three years of teaching, I did not have a computer at yeah. my disposal, yeah. you know, at school. Um, I was, you know, using my color-coded pens and right. my, like, spiral-bound uh, planner, you know, mm-hmm. to create lesson plans and all of that. And um, so had I come into teaching, like, how it, things are now, I think it's a completely different thing. It is. It's and there's pluses and a minuses. Double-edged sword. And we'll talk sure. about that. But and the other reason I think that I'm I've been resilient is, um, and I was talking about this is that I think I flush a lot of bad <laughs> memories, like things that, um, you know, have have not gone well or failures that I've had. I just. Um, over the years, they just get fuzzy, so they don't matter as much. Well, and there's some truth to that, that it's intentional as well. Yeah. Not carrying every, I mean, you're going to have bad days. You're right. going to have bad weeks. Yeah. You know, but if they're turning into bad months or a bad year, then it may be time to rethink maybe the way you're going about doing yes. things. I mean, you, not you personally, you, Tanya, yeah, but the collective you that all of us right. can think about it that way. And I'd like there to are, think that I've learned from my mistakes, and that's a but we still make them all the time. We still make them. And I make mistakes now that, you know, I probably made years ago that I still am learning. Yeah. And that's uh, appropriate. I think also I just I just never thought of doing anything else, honestly. So Right. And I um, think I'm in that boat, too. And that's not to say that, you know, if you have other career things that you're thinking about in your life, that's a bad thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this is I, – I feel – truly blessed to be doing what I'm doing. That doesn't mean that every single day it's sunshine and rainbows and cupcakes. No. But <laughs> in not. general, I'm happy being an elementary music teacher. Yes. And I feel like I'm in the right place exactly. in my life, in my career right now. Right. Me as well. All right. Um, but we wanted to, first of all, define resiliency and talk a little bit about like where we are, where people might be on the spectrum of being resilient. So, and I got this definition straight off, you know, um, a wiki page. Okay. Uh, Resiliency is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, the often remarkable resilience of so many British institutions. Oh, that's in quotes. So, you know, that's (laughs) just giving an example. We don't really understand that. (laughs) Uh, The ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. Nice. Yes. So, um, yeah, your elasticity, your ability to bounce back and... Um, through the mentor program at uh, in my district, or in our district, I should say, I, I have a nifty little rubric that I will um, post on the show notes, post in the, the blog, and it talks about different um, categories you might be in. So we've got the orienting category, the experimenting category, the implementing category, and the trailblazing category, mm. and where one might be as far as like how they are doing with resiliency. So just, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, one of the things in, and trailblazing is like, wow, you're forging the trail for other people. You are the expert on resiliency. Right. Not only are you able to do it on your, for yourself, but you're helping others. Yeah. Um, so orienting means like I'm finding my way. I recognize the need to be resilient at work. Well, I would hope that most people understand. Right. Yeah. I struggle to bounce back from a challenge or change to my school day. I understand that positive emotions are in, intimately tied with 
immune function efficiency and physical health. Mm, and I think most people, huge. yeah, understand that their emotions are going to tie into their physical health for sure. Right. Right. Um, experimenting. Oh, I have some strategies that help me continue to move forward when I am struggling with my workload. That's super important. I'm just picking one from implementing. My mm -hmm. grit and determination help me to overcome challenges inherent to the field of education. I make a conscious choice to overcome challenges that I face on a daily basis. This is where you're actually doing things. This is like action steps. Yes. I am able to cope well with challenges at school. I am adaptable, flexible, and able to cope with change. I consciously focus on things um, that I can control at work and at home. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then some of the of the category, uh, some of the characteristics of trailblazing is I am able to cope with challenges at school daily and think as a problem solver to address trend issues in education. Mm. That's big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hopefully you're an administrator at that point. Right. Uh, when a difficult situation arises, I can manage it effectively. I feel pretty confident about that day to day. When yeah. a difficult situation mm -hmm. arises, like you and the power going out. Right. That's a difficult situation. And you didn't run home crying? No. No. I was laughing about it. Yeah. <laughs> More I, than anything. I understand how to question belief systems and to be strength-based rather than, than fear-based. And that that is a very tricky one because yes. especially as music educators yes. and people in the arts, definitely you got to go into music teaching questioning belief systems because many administrators, unfortunately, many people in general – even your students and your families, it's very possible that they don't see Why? the value yep. in Why what you're doing. Why do I have doing. to do this? Why do I have right. to go to music class? Yeah. And so. you have to be ready to not only answer that question, but live out the answer to that question. Yes, exactly. You have to be a model yes. for that. Yes. And, and that can really get you down. I think that... Being a music teacher more yeah. than even just a classroom teacher is something that you really oh, yeah, constantly have. having to justify your your love and your passion yeah. as an educator is not easy. Exactly. Um, and then this is a great one. Um, I have a good social conscious conscience con conscience conscience. <laughs> excuse me, and concern for others, healthy boundaries, oh. positive self esteem, and an internal locus of control. Wow. And you know what? <laughs> Uh, that's big too. Yes. The healthy boundaries is everything, isn't it? That is. Yeah. I would add one more that's not here. Okay. Um, I have a solid support system. Yeah. Yeah. And is that something that you feel that is within the realm of your control as well by surrounding yourself with the people that help you be your best? Or do you yeah. think that's more luck of the draw or a little bit of both? Um, well, I, I think that it can be a luck of the draw, but right. I think that you definitely can build a strong support system with people who are going to be helpful to you. Yeah. Um, whether it's even, I mean, talk. we'll get to more about technology, but like even having communities on Facebook, on Instagram, yeah. that is still somewhat of a support system, right? Sure. And yeah, you definitely can find people that are your support system, mm -hmm. even if you are in a place where you're new to town and you don't know anyone. That is what someone who's going to have that grit does is they go out and they find, they find those people right? rather than isolating themselves. This is true. So anyway, um, that's a little bit of that rubric that that's I will post. That's interesting. And you're going to post that. You I said am. On the show I'm going to post right? that. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. To so, think of it on, on a continuum that it's not, resiliency isn't something that you either have or you don't. No. That it starts with recognizing the importance, starting to build in steps, making it habit, and then being a proponent of it for other people exactly is really how to sum that up yes right? it's it, yeah well and along with growth mindset we're really coming to this understanding of nothing is you're born with it or you're not exactly you know yeah and that is a m more challenging thing for like my generation to get over than like the millennial generation because honestly i grew up with people constantly saying, well, it's talent. You have it or you don't. Or I think that's still just as much out there, though. Is it? I really do. I mean, yeah, being on kind of the, the final spectrum of the Gen X into the millennial, I'm kind of on the cusp, You're right? You're that zennial. I mean, I get it all the time from you know, my friends who are my age that, oh, well, your children must be so talented yeah. because my husband and I are both musicians. So mm -hmm. I don't think that's completely gone away. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I think that's, you know, a norm that people still think of as a norm, unfortunately. Right. But Yeah, that's too bad. But anyways, yeah. 
when talking about resiliency, I mean, it's, it's definitely a skill that you're going to learn. Yeah. Um, I have a quote that I wanted to read. Yeah. By APJ Abdul Kalum. And I don't know who that is. Uh, but I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. When we tackle obstacles, we find hidden reserves of courage and resilience we did not know we had. And it is only when we are faced with failure do we realize that these resources were always there within us. We only need to find them and move on with our lives. Mm. So, you know, it's like um, preparing for the winter. You're stirring up your 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 food in the in the tree trunk. <laughs> you are collecting um, these, you know, creating these reserves of um, when times are good, you do the things that nurture you so yeah. that when times are bad, it's a natural instinct that you're able to use those right. skills. Right. And it is skills. And I, I say this a lot when I do like mindful minutes, when I do little tiny bits of meditation with my students, um, as I say, what, what are we practicing for? You know, we're, we're practicing our mindfulness. We're practicing mm -hmm. mindful minutes. We're practicing for the rest of the time. Yeah. Right. And we do the, this when times are good so that when times are bad, then our instincts can just kick in mm -hmm. and we can like ground ourselves and be in the moment and be okay with what's going on. Yeah. Or learn how to be okay with what's going on. Totally. So... Yeah, so there's a, a lot to resilience, and um, should we talk about the role of technology? Yeah, let's just do it. Oh, okay. Um, I'm so lucky. Like I said, um, I don't know if I could have grown up in this world and not be super addicted right. to lots. And I think I still have somewhat of an addiction. I find myself spending you know, too much time yeah. scrolling on social media stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I don't have you know, phone game stuff. I don't, that, that's something that I never really got into. I don't do that. I don't, I don't play Candy Crush. I'm right. not doing two dots. I've seen those things and I've played them like a little bit. And then my, and then I just go, oh my gosh, I need to not do this. Right. So, um, I, I will say I'm guilty of that. Um, but it's usually like while I'm doing something else, which drives my husband batty. Mm -hmm. He's like really kind of anti phone and technology. So he'll be like, Hey, you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, sure. And then, like, sure enough, 15 minutes into the movie, I grab my phone and I start playing some silly yeah. mindful game, mindless game while I'm also watching the movie. And he's like, how are you watching? And I'm like, this is just what I need to do. I know that I've told myself that and uh -huh. I know that it's not true. It's probably just an addiction. And yeah. I can admit well, that and say it. But that, yeah, the, the phone thing, the phone always being close, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, is it really as necessary as I've told myself that it's necessary it's hard to say. It is. But more, then, yeah. yeah, as a teacher, I mean, when I think back to, like, what you said, like, when we first started in our classrooms and we didn't have all this technology, there was also definitely a feeling of isolation. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, it's, you know, you're generally the only music teacher in your building, and, yeah, you've got maybe your art teacher and your PE teacher or your team, but they're not teaching your content. No. It's totally different, right? So then right. you're feeling very isolated. And so being able to reach out in all of these different social media, all these groups and all these, you know, you've got blogs, you've got podcasts, right. you've got teachers by teachers, you've got all these things that make you feel connected. Right. But then that also brings upon you me, and I'm saying this from my perspective, a sense of, wow, look at all these amazing things all these people are right. doing that I am not doing. I will never be as amazing as this person right. because is, they're doing this yes. great thing. So the reason we're talking about the technology is because it's so very handy because, oh my gosh, I have this great, I saw this great thing on Pinterest and now I'm going to take it into my classroom and, oh, wow, it works so well in my classroom. That's fantastic. But also the whole like, um, not not just the addiction, but the whole, the comparison effect. Right. And studies do show that people who spend more time on social media are more depressed yes. than others. Um, but yeah, that, that whole like comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Oh, totally. Is, is alive and well. And I feel it mm -hmm. like every day. Mm -hmm. And then I have to um, kind of take a step back. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that it's, it's very strange. Um, when, when you're looking at all, there's so many things. Yeah. Um, and then the thing that I would like to put out there and how do I say things on, um, everywhere on the internet are not 
vetted, as we say. Exactly. So what I mean by that is that anyone can put anything out there. Yeah. And that's great in a way. Yeah. And that's horrible in a way. (laughs) Because there are there's there's some junk out there. Yes. Yeah. And there's some awesome things out there too. And so not only I mean, it's great to have all of these resources, but then you are really taxed with you got to pick through and go, mm-hmm. do I really think this is quality yeah. or is it just really shiny and pretty? Mm-hmm. And is this something that's really going to work in my classroom with my kids? Mm-hmm. Or is it just like really appealing because it looks this way? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's like another whole job. Right. And that's why I say I like things that are in <laughs> – you and I have had this type of conversation before – I mean, definitely want to keep up with the times. We want to be 21st century music teachers. However, also, um, everyone's looking on Pinterest, but you might have a bookshelf right behind you full (laughs) of published materials that have stood the test of time that are worth looking at, too. That might take a little bit more ingenuity from you to put into your classroom. Yes. But that are just really worth it. There are times that I have been, you know procrastinating perhaps and gone, oh my gosh, okay, I'm just going to go to TPT and I'm just going to buy someone's file because it's done and it's there and I know it's going to be fine, especially mm-hmm. from those trusted people that I yes. just know their stuff is great because um, I've bought from them before or I know them personally or whatever. But then there are other times where I look and I browse and go, you know what, I kind of see where they're going with this, but I'm going to make my own you know, version of it. Yeah. Maybe that's somewhat stealing, but I don't know. But the point but being you're that not I feel like it. You're using no, 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 it. of course yeah. not. But and that's usually not anywhere near as fancy or as pretty. But I often find that when I create things myself, first of all, that I know it better. So when I go to teach it, mm-hmm. I'm not just reading off someone else's PowerPoint file. Yes. You know, I've done the work to create it, so I know the material better, and I'm teaching it better. Right. Also, it's better for my students because I've tailor made it for them, knowing yes. that in my population of kids, I got a lot of second language learners. So I'm going to make sure I, you know, incorporate some things that are going to be helpful to them and whatever this thing is that I'm creating or, you know, knowing that I've, you know, got some difficult personalities in this one class. So I'm going to create this lesson to tailor fit to them. I mean, that's what we should be doing. That is what we should be doing. So, you know, that would just be an alternative is, you know, to take the time to create the materials yourself because you know, it's going to be better for your kids. Yes. But there are times where you just need to buy something because you're in a hurry. And I get that. Yeah. I've done it. But that's so much more responsibility on a teacher than just like, teaching and, right. and doing the lesson planning. And you know, as music educators, we are creating so much of what we're doing. Yes. I mean, if you're teaching in a classroom, if you're a second grade teacher, you're pretty much told, okay, in social studies, it's October now, and you should be in this unit on mm-hmm. these pages. Not so much in music teaching. Mm-hmm. You we have, have to reinvent the wheel. And if you're not, if you're not, um, experienced or if you um, haven't had training and you definitely could sp- be spending a lot of time on Pinterest and on blogs and just grabbing and, and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understand that desperation yeah. of a new teacher and wading through all of that. Oh, yeah. But can we also throw out this idea of being able to go and get materials and ideas in person, mm-hmm. such as going to a workshop, going yes. to a conference, rather than just getting it from a blog, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you have a blog, Tanya. Like, they're obviously, we're like, we're not saying they're bad. No. But just that g- going to a workshop and getting some of these songs and games and materials and ideas in person is such a valuable thing. It is. And even if you can see a video of it. Yeah. It's still more valuable when you are the participant. Yes. Like, so when you go to a workshop, when you go to a session at a conference, do yourself a favor and put down your phone yes. and put down your notes <laughs> yes. and go and be a student. Go play the games, do the so things. So that you can experience it from the student's point of yes. view and you can really get an insight as, oh, this is how that works. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I don't think that this is just me, but I know that if I've experienced the song, the game, the activity – as a participant, and I've been hands-on, yeah. that that's going to stick with me better, and I'm going to better able to adapt that to my own students. And isn't that how we teach? I mean, we don't just teach our students by giving them 
digital files of what we're going to be talking about in class. No. We teach by having them be active music participants and sing. So isn't it the same for us as learners that if we're active participants, rather than taking a video of somebody at a conference or taking a picture of their slideshow to actually go and be a part of what they're doing? Yes. It's going to be much more meaningful. And it's much more fun. It is. (laughs) And I mean, I'll admit, there are times where I'm in a workshop and I'm just a little tired. Maybe it's a Saturday workshop and I haven't had a great week and I just want to sit and watch. But Mm -hmm. just be careful with the phone game. Yes. And make sure if you are going to take a picture or video, you make sure it's okay with the presenter first. Yeah, that's something (laughs) that has been a little bit lost. That sometimes I see those phones come out and I'm like... Did you ask? Yeah, did you ask me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know, I need to get a little bit more of a backbone about that because um, I have seen my stuff pop up on Facebook, like, you know, a video (sighs) of a session and I'm like, who's that person yeah. that post- posted that. Right. I don't remember. Again, you and I being from an older generation, <laughs> maybe we think of that in that way, but yes. You know. Oh, and if you ever go to Asana Longden a session, don't don't even don't Asana does have a backbone. And, yeah. She will come straight up to you. There and are be a few like, people that I've seen present who have said, you know, you either flat ask, out yeah. please don't or hey, guess what? All of my session notes are going to be very thorough. So mm-hmm. put down the phone and put down your notebook and just come and play. Right. Which is kind of I know how you like to present when I've presented. I'm kind mm-hmm. of the same way. So yeah. that's a side note. But yes, but <laughs> it all goes back to the technology. It goes back to the technology and how it can be useful in like propping up your your teaching and your learning and your teaching career and building your resiliency. And while we're in this talking about, um, you know, all of these different PDs coming at you, the thing that is great about all the the technology is that it's all there. Like, I mean, there's so much stuff coming at you that you are picking and choosing and you have the good stuff too. Yeah. Um, Because I'm thinking back to when I started teaching, I lived for going to an ORF workshop. Right. Because, boy, that was like the only contact I had with other music teachers. Right. But also I got so much stuff and I would just ride out that stuff. Yeah. For like the next month or so. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's great that we've got all of this at our fingertips, but it's just, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, and along that same line, we'd like to kind of talk about methodologies, philosophies in music education. Yeah. And um, here's here's a not popular opinion that we're going to talk about <laughs> that I have and Carrie has as well, is that I am not a proponent of doing all the things all the time, getting as much PD as you can all at once. Right. I don't think that that's helpful to anyone, yeah. to any teacher. Yeah. So, um, I, so, for example, for example, if you're going to take your ORF levels, mm-hmm. then do that. And live in that for a while and steep yourself in that for a while. I mean, I'm not going to give a timeline because everybody's different. But I will say for me, I got my Kodai levels. I finished in 2005. Mm -hmm. And I didn't seek out right away ORF levels or Dal Crows or any other training. Um, I've done a little bit of Dal Crows now. haven't done ORF yet. But the point is I wanted to really live in that Kodai philosophy for a while and steep myself in it because, Mm -hmm. you know, things developing your career and developing yourself as a teacher is not going to happen overnight. No. It's not like you're going to go out and take your ORF level and then the next year you're going to be the best ORF teacher ever. It's just not going to happen. And that's okay. That's just part of the deal. Um, So if you, you know, get training in one philosophy and then you think to yourself, well, now something's missing. I need to fill in the gap. Mm -hmm. And then you go get training for something else right away. That can become a little convoluted then, and you're not allowing yourself enough time to develop and grow within that philosophy, within that quote-unquote methodology, enough time. Totally, yes. And I, I think that that kind of piggybacks onto that idea of, like, the multitasking. Yes. Like, this idea of, well, I'm going to get my ORF level one this summer, and then I, you know, I'll do my ORF levels and then two weeks after, I'll do my Kodai Level 1. Yeah. And then when Delcro's is available, I'll do that too. Yeah. And I think that a lot of uh, teachers don't don't question their ability to really um, soak that in. Mm-hmm. And really, the whole idea about taking your levels in either 
and any of the methodologies is that during the next school year after you take level one Kodai or ORF in the summer during the next school year you are implementing this you mm -hmm. are taking it for a test drive you are seeing what sticks you're seeing how to do it you're experimenting in your classroom with all of this you're seeing how the students respond to it you see where you need to tweak and you are curtailing it to your situation yeah and also your your style and personality we we have to it has to be said that your own you know personality is going to um be better adapt at some than others yes in the end it is all about what's best for the kids right right so yeah you really just need to take it for a test drive for a while yeah it is a marathon it is not a sprint yes and i just don't understand how one can say all right well i did my level one orf i did my level one kodai and this next year i'm doing orphan kodai all year long mm -hmm. the philosophies are different enough mm -hmm. that you are not really doing all the things right no and that's not to say that you can't use tools from one methodology to support another i mean no, not at both all. tanya and i are kodai inspired teachers we've had kodai levels that is the philosophy that resonates with us but we're using orp instruments in uh -huh. our classroom we're yes. giving our students improvisatory activities i've in done several things that i've learned in orf level yes, uh, yes. yeah Workshops, but, workshops and stuff right yeah but when it comes to the actual training and getting your levels tanya and i will both say <laughs> to the day <laughs> we <know>. die <laughs> just go with one at least for a while yeah. steep yourself in that for a while right. because i i personally would imagine taking all of these things on at once i mean just knowing what it was like going through kodai mm -hmm. that was overwhelming i mean it was it was academically physically emotionally taxing mm -hmm. and i came out of on the other side a better teacher 100 percent. but to do that twice over in one summer or even back to back different methodologies two different summers i cannot imagine handling that personally no that's no. too much too fast i, I and, you know so i'm just gonna throw it out there too that if if the true reason why you're doing all these things bam 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 is to become the best teacher you can be okay maybe but if you're doing it just to build your resume you're not doing it for the right reasons right if you feel like saying on your resume that i have my orf kodai dalcross training all of it because you feel like that's going to make you a more marketable teacher you maybe you're not doing things for the right reason well yeah as that's not a popular and, and thing, sadly but... some administrators do light up when they see all right. that right and so but... then that's upon you at your interview to explain you know right. this is the methodology that i go with and this is why i think it's important and you know mention that you use tools from the other if you're if your administrators are asking those questions because sometimes they do yeah and they don't necessarily understand what yeah. that means so... yeah i just think there's something to be said for going deep Yes. into a specific philosophy yeah. depth that not breadth depth not breadth and something yeah. that really resonates with you mm -hmm. and what you believe and why you are teaching yeah and um i think that that all will will stave off burnout as well i agree completely. because i think when you really get excited and passionate about a, a philosophy yes. and you see yourself as being able to like really dig in mm -hmm. that really keeps you excited and, yeah. and invigorated and wanting to do more and more and more and i mean i i don't know maybe i'm a very slow learner but i have to say i don't feel like i'm a strong enough kodai teacher yet to go and get orf levels right now right i really feel like i'm still filling out yeah. in my kodai well there's so much teaching. to learn within kodai it's not like you just get your levels and then boom i'm done i'm no. ready to go take over the world there's always more to learn there's right. always more to think about and you know to apply it to your current teaching situation because every teaching situation is different yeah. you will change as a person definitely so yes just something to consider it's something to consider and it's not a popular opinion <laughs> it's not and because... i understand why especially when you're a young teacher you want to make yourself marketable you want to get mm -hmm. all everything you want to soak in every single thing but you can only soak in so much yes you can only soak in so much and um it's gonna how, feel overwhelming yeah and how can you prioritize exactly what you're doing in your classroom if you claim to be embracing all of these philosophies yes there are similarities yeah definitely and there's gonna but be some as far as like and... their primary aims and mm -hmm. their primary point of view mm -hmm. they are not the same right and you know it's worth investigating and seeing what really resonates and getting really steeped in it but 
yes, back to uh, <laughs> that's a bit of our soapbox. That's, yeah, that's my soapbox. Um, yeah, but building resiliency, I think, definitely goes along with really being passionate and excited. Burnout yeah. will be kept at bay if you are really just excited about let's see how this goes with the third graders mm -hmm. i haven't done x with the third graders and i i'm kind of interested to see how this plays out yeah and boy you know it's just so exciting that we're teaching like these kids that are changing from year to year and i am not using the same lesson plans that i used you know two or right. even one year ago yeah and so i feel like i'm being kept on my toes just because i'm making sure that the students that are in my room at this moment they can understand and learn the best. And I have to adjust things all the time. Right. So that's why I think teaching is such an exciting career because it's not a like one and done. It's not like I show up, I like put in the, the tax numbers <laughs> and I do the, you know, compiling of the data and then I'm done. I mean, it is just, you can grow and grow and grow yes. in this career. Um, yeah. And what are, what would you say, especially coming from the mentor point of view that you have within our district. What are some like action steps that people can take to build resilient resiliency? Uh, so I think definitely having a support system, which, yes. which we talked about, mm -hmm. which can be family members, spouses, friends, especially music teacher friends. That's why you, we have each other, that's Tanya. That's why we have each other. That's why we're doing this right <laughs> exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. It's just really, isn't it nice to hear other people talk about your yeah. you know your thing well and to be totally transparent about how many days a week do we call each other on the telephone like every day almost every day it is true and it's funny because again being the old fuddy duddies we are yeah um we don't we're not big texters we'll, well text a little i'm driving cute man. Things, I gotta... but we we talk a lot like we will actually have like an hour-long conversation yeah. on the phone and then well, be i have like, to tell okay, you what well, the kindergartners did today because it's exactly. insane and yeah. i have to and, have you know we yeah. both have husbands i mean your husband's the art teacher my husband is a musician we have husbands who understand what we do mm -hmm. but yeah we still need each other yes you need to have <laughs> those thing. music teacher people yeah. and if they're on Instagram that's okay that's great yeah I mean if you're truly connecting with others um, through Facebook through yeah. all these that's the upside of the technology is that we have this connection because I was starved yes. as a beginning teacher I was like well you know the only game in town was like ORF once every two or three months right. of ORF workshop yeah. and I just gobbled that up oh yeah loved being around other people um, other things that are really important besides having a support system uh, is when we talk about back to that rubric is like understanding when you're stressed mm -hmm. and how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So a big part of resiliency is seeing stress as a challenge rather than an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. And having little things in place that you know are going to help you over the hump of these these other things and of course being healthy about it mm -hmm. so i'm not saying that a bubble bath is going to take away everything it doesn't hurt though but it, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt yeah right um eating too much ice cream that does hurt right and i did that in my first year yeah, for sure well, of course um but knowing your triggers like yes. what things stress you mm -hmm. and knowing the things that will help deal with your stress yeah right and if that means that you have to like really be firm with a bedtime right right and set an alarm that says it's time now you need to get into bed yeah you know which is something that like more and more i know if i don't get enough sleep i get migraine headaches so that's just right it has to happen i have to go to bed yeah i have to um so understanding yourself knowing yourself is a really excellent way to make sure you're building your resiliency yeah and these days there are so many little different personality quizzes and all those things those fun things yeah. that you can uh, Myers Briggs and you can uh -huh. go online and take these tests and oh I'm I'm an obliger from the four tendencies and I also know that I am you know on the the Enneagram scale I haven't even done that one I with don't the numbers know that one. oh oh I want to do it we should soon. do that we should Talk do that about it. yeah um, but I know some people like maybe scoff at that but knowing yourself yeah and the things that um, you need to feel healthy yeah and to feel resilient which something really that important. i'm noticing at this stage in my career in my life is that for me things are changing a lot too 
Um, like I am becoming way more introverted. I don't know oh. if I've if I've crossed the threshold of saying I'm an introvert, but I used to feel like I needed to be around people all the time and I needed to be talking all the time. And mm-hmm. um, maybe it's from being a teacher and a mother that I feel like quiet is such a such a rarity in my life. Interesting. But I am enjoying staying home and reading and being quiet and like napping. Yeah. <laughs> like, not saying napping equals introvert, but do you know, just that quiet alone time, sure. I'm really appreciating. And I mean, 10, 15 years ago, that would have been the opposite of what I needed mm-hmm. to get energy and to feel better. I needed to be around people and be more social. And now to get energy and feed my soul, I need mm-hmm. quiet and I need to be able to sit with myself. Yeah. So it's, it's also important to know that those things will change over yes, time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important to make sure you have time for yourself every day. Yeah. In some form. And that can be hard. And that can be very <laughs> challenging. I, I know that there are people who get up super early yeah. to find that time if you're in like a, a parent with younger children or mm-hmm. I mean there's all kinds of stresses on your time. Yeah. That um yeah, that can be a challenge. But I think it, it needs to be you you just can't go, go, go all day long and go home and work on lesson plans and expect to keep that up yeah. and to feel okay about it. I think that that's an invitation towards burnout for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I have been there. Um, after my first three years of teaching, I took a year and I just stopped. Yeah. And um, I had the opportunity to move to New York City and I was there for like nine months and I did not teach. Yeah. And I did other stuff. And um, I just was, I didn't know, I didn't have any kind of um, resources, really. And it was before I took my Kodai levels. Mm -hmm. In fact, I took my Kodai levels right after that. And that was when I really got excited to teach. And I was really on fire for it. And I was like, okay, I took that year. I saw what the rest of the world's doing. (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) And that's not for me. And this is really exciting because, wow, I had no idea about... All this Kodai stuff. That's right. awesome. And right. this is going to take me a long time to unpack. And I feel like I'm still unpacking it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's an important thing, too, to, to build resiliency is to look for new challenges yes. that challenge you, but also, you know, I can use that term, feed your soul. Yes. So whether that's getting a level, getting your master's degree, changing jobs, going to a new school. I mean, mm-hmm. just a few years ago, it was really scary for me. I was at my school for 15 years, and I was really steeped in that community, and I loved that community and the day that I packed up and left my classroom Mm -hmm. I bawled the whole way home because I was like what am I doing why am I leaving this place that I love but I knew that I needed something different in my life and so you know I'm still teaching elementary music I'm still in a title school but just having a new challenge and a new school community. And now you're in our district. Well that's part of it. And you know there are personal reasons too like being closer to home and in the same district as my kids but to be honest it was also it felt right in my career even though it was super scary. It was yes. terrifying um, to to pack up and start a new thing. Um, I think that really helped build that resiliency in the long term that, oh, it's okay. I can do something new and challenging and I don't have to be afraid of it. Yes. And know when, so that's, know when you need a change. Yeah. However big or small it yeah. could be. Yeah. And small changes can work wonders as well, like getting oh, more yeah. sleep, but big changes might be in order as well, like going to a different school. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to give a shout out to some resources that I'm going to put in the show notes. Yeah. Um, there's some excellent TED Talks, and um, there's a happiness expert that I know I've talked about, Sean Acor, and I'll link his TED Talk. And this was his really you know, just millions of views um, TED Talk about happiness and happiness mm-hmm. research. And it's um, the thing about this TED Talk is every time I watch it, and I've seen it several times by now. Um, I get something new out of it. It is jam-packed with information on happiness and resiliency. And um, he really has some very specific ideas that that he's researched, that he's put into play, and Mm -hmm. that he's really seen work about how to cultivate, like, everyday happiness. Mm -hmm. And something I think we've mentioned before on the podcast is, like, one of those is three things three uh, gratitudes to talk about every day that you write down or you talk with somebody else, but they have to be new things each day. So you can't just say, oh, I'm thankful for my family and this cup of coffee and, you know, this other thing. Uh, But it has to be new. 
Right. And I think that that's really, I and I know it's really helpful because, and he speaks about this in his TED Talk, is that what it's doing is you're training your brain to scan for the good things. Uh-huh. Right? So you're not um, pessimistic about all the things that are coming up because you're like, oh my gosh, I have to list those three things. All right, all right, let's look around. What happened today that was good? What mm-hmm. what can I be thankful for? So in the beginning, it's kind of like a, a kind of a drag, kind yeah. of a chore, but you're really recircuiting your brain to look for the happy, mm-hmm. look for the good things, look for the things that you're thankful for. Yeah. Um, he talks about journaling, exercise, meditation. Yes. Things that I know, Tanya, you are so much better at all three of well, those than me. Um, I just, can I say what I he could... says about meditation that I yeah. just love? This is directly from that TED Talk. He says, meditation helps us get over the cultural ADHD that technology has cultivated. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, yeah, while I was watching that TED Talk, because Tanya just made me watch it, even though I, I think I have seen it before, but watching again was good. Um, yeah, just thinking about my phone. And, like I said, I'm watching a movie and also playing some silly game. Yeah. And it's like, why am I doing this? I don't need to do this. So I'm, I might I might get on the meditation bandwagon. Well, we'll, see. well, it's not a bandwagon. It's been around for a long time. <laughs> it's been around. It's been around. It's well, proven. I, I have some books you can borrow. I so, know. I yeah. know. I just I wasn't sure if I was ready for it. But well, I think yeah, it might be something. Hey, I need just to putting make down the phone during a movie might be good. We'll start with that. Yes. Well, yeah, just starting with with one thing at a time. And that's, I mean, I was talking about this with Tanya off mic is we went to a restaurant today, my family and I, and I was looking around and all the young children on phones in the restaurant and iPads. And it was actually a moment that I can say that my children did not have technology. They were drawing on their placemats and we were playing tic-tac-toe. And I had this moment of like, this shouldn't be a rarity. You know, Mm -hmm. like I had this moment where like I felt good as a parent. Like, look, I'm actually like not shoving technology in front of my kids. And there are times that I do where they ask for it and I give it to them. But I had this moment of like, this should be the norm for my family. Yes, and it should be. Which, yeah, and I'll put another TED Talk by a guy. Um, he's a British-American author and researcher and motivational speaker, Simon Sinek. And this was making the rounds on Facebook, so you might be familiar with this talk already. And he talks about the millennial generation and technology and the addictive quality of technology and and um, what it's doing. Yeah. Really. It so, was a little depressing uh, moments because, it, I was, again, I was thinking about my own children, that maybe I didn't grow up in this mentality of the technology addiction, but yet I'm still feeling it as an adult. And then, oh, my gosh, what's it going to be like for my kids? And what things can I do now to instill in them right. that they don't need this all the time? Yeah. yeah there you are know, alternatives. <laughs> in the coming years, we're, we're going to be hearing more and more of you know research that's been done on what's happened to our brains as a result of the technology uh-huh. and i think we do need to be wary about yeah. it i don't want to i mean i'm using technology of course but you know um my son is is in particular kind of um paranoid about uh the alexas that we have in the house and i am a little too yeah and he <laughs> he has one in his room but it's always off unless yeah. he wants to listen to music yeah. um and you know he really has a point there so, um, yeah, he is a uh, raw lifer. <laughs> I just finished this book, um, and it was set in the, the future. And uh, there's, like, a, a bunch of people who, instead of having a handheld device, the norm is you wear a system. Oh, so right. it's like you're wearing kind of like this bodysuit, and it's got all of these, you know, controls on it. Which we're getting close to that point, we right? Are, I mean, with and... the watches and the virtual reality things. Right. And... Yeah. Yeah. So and the Alexas. Yeah, and yeah. and this novel, it's called um, Love Minus Eighty, and it's it's really creepy. It's very um, Black Mirror like. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, so the people who have dismissed and won't take part, they call them raw lifers. Oh. And these people are kind of like off the grid, right. and they're like really seen as these vagabonds. Yeah. Um. So that's what I refer to Jude as. Oh yeah. Like, he's he's a raw lifer. He's a raw lifer. Yeah. Well, let's. Let's end this on a positive note, (laughs) since that's what this is all about. So find your community, find your support system, Mm -hmm. use technology. Know yourself, know yourself as a teacher, know Uh yourself as um, a human and what it takes for you to keep going. Don't expect that you're going to do all the things all the time. Give yourself time. Give yourself time. Give yourself the gift of time. I was talking about 
FOMO and Carrie looked at me like I'm crazy. So maybe people don't say that anymore. I wasn't, I didn't know this term, but go oh, ahead. Fear of missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a little bit dangerous Yes. because you, you just can't do all the things. Yeah. You can think that you're doing all the things, but you're going to drive yourself crazy. Right. Focus on the things that you're doing well right now. Yes. And yeah, of course, make those action steps to make yourself better and help yourself become the teacher you want to be. Yep. But just recognize the small victories that you have every day with yep. your students. Exactly. Um, can we talk a tiny bit about what if you do think that you're burnt out? What if you're feeling like that's a thing? Have you had this in your career? Um, I don't know that I would have ever used the term burnt out. I mean, I definitely felt like there were times where I needed something more mm -hmm. than just my day-to-day -day thing. And that was when I got my Kodai levels. Mm -hmm. I had I did that after I had taught for two years and I was using my textbook series and I just felt like there was more than I needed. So doing that um, and then later down the road it was time to get my master's I just felt that I just felt like this time for mm -hmm. me to do this and then like I mentioned changing schools was a big step in my yes. career um for myself to to give myself that challenge so I don't think I've ever gotten to that point where I felt burnt out mm -hmm. but maybe it's because I recognized it earlier and I took those steps That's a little great. quicker yeah um how about you well you well, mentioned yeah so I left yeah. for a year right. and I, I wasn't sure I was gonna come back to teaching yeah and it just took me that that year. I just kind of, I temped all over the, the city in New mm -hmm. York. And um, I was lucky enough to um, have a place to stay yeah. um, in the city. And, and so that was kind of, it was fun being in New York City and, um, you know, doing other things and not focusing on teaching. Right. So, but after nine months of that, I was like, huh, well, you know, it's time for me to get a move on and right. I'm going to go back to teaching. Um the doing my Kodai level one right after that really fired me up and mm -hmm. that kept it at bay. But I, like you, I have had times where I'm like, well, I'm not like burnt out. Like, oh my gosh, I just can't go in tomorrow. I'm going to cry. Yeah. I haven't been there, but I have been in places where I'm like, gosh, things are really hard right now. Right. Um, and that I have solved through really lifestyle tweaks. Yeah. Um, I think meditation was huge for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. um, because honestly that really helped me put things into perspective I, I just don't take myself so seriously anymore yeah which can be bad <laughs> sometimes right but uh, overall um, I just I'm always thinking this too shall pass yes and that goes for the bad times and the good times yeah right so on uh, nothing um, is do or die uh -huh. right now. And I used to just get really tied up about when, when a lesson wouldn't go well or yes. when it like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this sixth grade class hates me yes. and I can't go on because they hate me so much. And now I just, I, I've really learned not to take things personally. Right. And that um, is a big thing as a teacher, as a music teacher to not take things personally. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, having, um, Having that ability to just say this is not a, this is not as big of a deal as I'm making it. Right. Like let's go on. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I feel an enormous responsibility with my students because I really want them to love music of and love making music. Yes. But um, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna kill myself over it. I'm not gonna right. hurt myself and not get enough sleep. And um, so yeah, I think that those things that we mentioned um, can help before you think you're burnt out. Yeah. Oh, and it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And it's your turn this time. All right. Yeah, Carrie, what you got? Well, this, uh, we say this, this is probably something people already do, but I'm just going to say it anyways. I know. So, uh, you know, when you send home a lot of papers as a music teacher, like I'm thinking, for example, in my choir, I mm -hmm. send home a lot of papers about, you know, our next performance, t-shirt order forms, things like that. Those papers tend to get lost, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like a kid comes back the next day, can I have another paper and blah, blah, blah. So I finally um, got smarter and I bought a tiny little bulletin board and I hung it outside of my room. And then um, I used, you know, those like inner office mail folders. Yes. Um, I put all the extra forms in there, 
stick a copy of whatever form is in the front of it so Mm -hmm. they know what's in there. And then whenever kids are walking by in the hallway, they don't have to interrupt me teaching. They don't even have to come in my room. Mm -hmm. They can grab whatever they need. So I can have four or five different forms out there. You know, think like college bulletin board kind of thing. Um, But I try to make it, you know, accessible where they can actually physically reach it, not too high. Mm -hmm. And then I make sure I label all the forms very carefully so they know which one they're grabbing. So it's just a way for them to be able to get what they need. I can say whatever you need is there and they don't have to bug me nice also good for classroom teachers because whenever i would send you know a note about oh, gosh, a performance yeah. coming up like a grade level performance mm-hmm. you know i might even have classroom teachers come to oh, me yeah. and say i need five more of those and i go they're on the bulletin board there help you yourself yeah it's time for our CODA section where we each give a personal or professional recommendation, something we've been enjoying. So Tanya, why don't you go first? Okay. I kind of feel a little bad because I haven't done a professional one in a while and I'm not going to do it again this time. But I will say Oak is coming up, the Organization of American CODA Educators Conference in March. Yes. And, um, Early registration is not happening anymore. No, but no, if you're on but, the fence about going, you still should. Yes. It's going to be an amazing conference. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. So go to conferences. I know TMEA is wrapping up as we speak. Yeah, that and one's a big one. My huge, goodness. So big. I guess it's Texas. It makes sense. Yeah. So, so my professional recommendation would be go get PD in person. There's nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, and there's actually... You know, to say this point in the school year, because I think sometimes maybe, and I'm guilty of this too, you think, okay, you know, the school year's two thirds over. What am I going to go do now that I'm going to implement right away? Oh, you'd but, be surprised. Oh my gosh, there's, there's so there's, much. And this might be the time of year that you do need a little something extra. Yes, exactly. So, it could just yes. be really exciting. Yeah. All right, but really, it's a profession. It's a personal, not a professional, personal recommendation. Um, on Netflix the other night, uh, I was looking up, you know, just opening Netflix, not knowing what I was going to do, uh, watch, and popping up, it said 99%. <laughs> we we predict 99% that you will love this show called yes. Russian Doll. Yep. And it's um, season one. I You know, I hope they don't do more seasons because it's really just perfect. Um, the way it is. The way it is. And mm-hmm. I don't want to give too many spoilers because it's great to go in and not know what it's about. But um, a lot of people are talking a about it. A lot of people show. are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I am a sucker for alternate reality, time travel, that whole thing, like getting stuck in loops of your yeah. life. So a lot of people are comparing this to Groundhog Day, which in concept, <laughs> yes, but much darker. It's darker, yeah. yes. Um, so anyway, Russian Doll. And um, it stars Natasha Lyonne, who also wrote it along with Amy Poehler and then another woman who has written plays on Broadway whose name is escaping me and I'm not right there. Oh, creators there. Leslie Headland. Leslie Headland. Yes. uh, Apparently she did a play for each one of the deadly sentences that that are excellent. Oh, Sounds fascinating. Anyway, so Russian Doll, um, it's a bit dark. It's a bit grisly. They say the F word. They do the F word. So not to watch with your children. (laughs) Not to watch with your children. Although I really was like, I really wanted my 13-year-old to see this. But then, no. It is rated TVMA. TV mature. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, (laughs) So if you were thinking, boy, I love Groundhog's Day, but could it be darker and a little grisly? (laughs) This is your thing. Okay. I loved it. I watched it like in one night. And then the next night, I started watching it again. All right. Okay, I think so, I'm going to start it tonight. Yes, what's you yours? Um, mine kind of is, it, well, it's personal now. I'm debating whether to bring it into my professional life. Oh. It's a podcast. Oh. It's uh, the Marvelous Musical Podcast hosted by David Walliams. Oh. Williams, Walliams. And it's put out by Classic FM, which I don't know. Like, they're like the the kings of, you know, classical music memes and gifts and jokes on Facebook. Oh. Um, I don't know yes. if they're actually yeah. an actual station. I'm guessing they probably are. I thought they were. But they're the creators of this podcast. And so each episode is... Um, different topics. Sometimes it's about a specific composer. Sometimes it's about instruments. I haven't listened to all of them. They're short. They're like um, less than 20 minutes. So, um, and they're kid friendly. However, 
I did listen to the first one with my kids um, about Mozart, and you know, there's a whole lot about fart jokes. Yeah, well, that I was mean, Mozart. It's, yeah. Exactly. So it's it's really good fun, and my kids loved it personally. And um, would you play it in the classroom? That's what I'm drums? debating. I mean, I feel like for older kids, it could be really great. I think you just have to know your kids. Oh, I can't wait to listen. What's I the first episode called? So it's it's Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. It's just called one. that. Okay. And we've made it through halfway of episode two, which is the list factor, which um, compares list to rock stars. Oh. Um, like he's the very first rock star, and like the whole idea of him being this, you know, sensation. Right. Right. Um, and you know. Well, the humor is very like British kind of Monty Python humor uh-huh. combined with classical music trivia. But my son, who's nine, really really enjoyed it. My daughter, who's six, I could she couldn't quite follow everything that was going on, but uh-huh. she did laugh at the fart jokes. She thought that was pretty funny. Well, sure. And fart I have jokes. definitely started brainstorming, like you know, creating some resources. This could be maybe a great thing for a sub to do. You uh-huh. know, where they listen to the podcast and then there's something that they fill out or draw or Ooh, great idea. you know something that they do along with it. You mm-hmm. know, because but how good it is for kids in a classroom just to sit and listen to a podcast and not do anything else speaking of you know the yeah. whole you know one thing at a time thing but anyways it's called the marvelous musical podcast we'll link to it oh, um it's it's very new um it's um, slightly raunchy but in a very kid friendly silly way not raunchy like language no no not at all not that i found yet just raunchy um, like fart it, jokes. It, they did use the word sucks they said something about somebody oh simon cowell sucks because this guy, David Walliams, I don't know but who... Simon Cowell does suck. I know. I don't know who this guy is. Apparently, he's kind of maybe famous in Britain and maybe is Did like Did they a... say sucks in the first episode? Yeah, they do. Oh, bummer. So that, you know, it's kind of like it's that fine line, like, oh, this would be great. Oh, except for that one. Uh-huh. I mean, and do I feel bad playing that for my sixth graders? Probably not. But would I play it for my second graders? No. 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 So you just, again, know your audience and know who you want to play Listen for. to it first. Listen and to it first. And that goes with anything in your classroom. Right. Watch it first, so I'm, first. I'm recommending this podcast only having listened to one and a half episodes. Okay. And there are nine of, no, ten of them out right now. How fun. The latest one is about John Williams. Oh. So there you go. So give it a listen. Decide for yourself. All right. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at Teaching Music, Tanya's Kodai Aspiring Blog. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you hear podcasts to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about multi-purpose songs and activities, things that you can use to teach more than one concept and maybe get a little bang for your buck that way. Yes. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.